This show was brought to you by Ouch My Ego. OuchMyEgo.com Hey there, Eric. Well, hey there, everybody, then hey there, Eric. <laughs> I mean, usually I say hey there, everybody, uh-huh. and then I introduce you. But like, you've been on the show twice already. so Yeah, I seem to be the person you call when LB and John don't want to watch the movie. Not just the person. I have other people. <laughs> I have other people. But you're one that's been on because of your silky smooth oh. voice. And you have interesting insights that are sometimes fun. And I like showing you things that you have never seen before. Well, I've definitely never seen this film. It was tough to find. All right. Well, wait. I, I have this question. We're a year apart about. Yep. So as, as you were growing up, before we even get into what this thing mm-hmm. is, uh, 91, you were... Yeah, I was in high school. 15, yeah. 16. Yeah, yeah. So were you tethered to your TV after school? Did you have cable? What did you watch? cartoons what what was your thing so we did have cable i was pretty much an indoor kid so i watched a lot of right. I, I really watched a lot of movies what was the kind of movie uh, intake that you were doing were you just a back to the future kid well i mean it was the era of the video store so you know i'd pretty much watch anything that popped up on hbo but if you were going to the video store you typically had something in mind you wanted to see yes and then if that was out, God forbid. Then you'd have to <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, people nowadays, like, you couldn't get the movie you wanted to watch. But, yeah, then you would just kind of wander the aisles looking for interesting covers <laughs> or things you might have heard of. So right. I was kind of a mix between, like, big budget Hollywood fare. I love mm-hmm. a big dumb movie. And right. then in the 90s, I was just kind of starting to get into cult movies and, and smaller things. So something like Buckaroo Banzai. I know how you lamented me having <laughs> someone else do that episode and not you but it wouldn't have been fair because you've seen that it's totally true it's totally true um but something like that where you know it was weird and not a lot of people had heard of that i feel like like in my teenage years i wanted a little of that i wanted a little weirdness yeah so it was it was a mix between the two okay kind of the same uh with me but i was more on the tv side of things instead of the video store sort of situation i only did the video store thing when i got hired at blockbuster yeah uh, and then I was like, yeah, I, I knew what weirdness was there and versus what normie people like. And I always tried to push the weirdness because it's fun to sure. see them squirm. But it was TV, cable, like you said, with uh, HBO and Cinemax. And knowing that you would watch just about anything that crossed HBO's path, it's a wonder how you missed this. What exactly? What did we just watch? We watched Motorama. Ah, the open road. It calls to everyone, but it's no place to kid around. And Gus isn't your ordinary kid. He knows a man has to go. Wanna play with me? Beat a kid. Where a man has to go. I play Motorama. Spelled out Motorama. Grand prize of 500 million. Motorama, Gus. Come on in. Just how did you make enough money to buy a fancy set of wheels like that? I sold my stamp collection. But there's more than one game on the road. Hey, old pirate. Old pirate? Billy, you say win. Win? <laughs> I thought you said you were going to let me win a little bit. I lied. Loss builds character. 
You don't have a girl with you, do you? No. He plays Motorama. <laughs> Say, mister, can we borrow your backseat for a quickie? I've got a long way to go. This contest will never expire. Martha Quinn, Garrett Morris, Michael J. Pollard, Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Drew Barrymore, Meatloaf, and introducing Jordan Christopher Michael. Motorama, the ultimate road odyssey from the writer of After Hours. Fill her up? No, empty it. <laughs> from 1991. So right in the sweet spot. Yeah. So how'd you miss this? Because I didn't miss this. I saw this on TV and I was like transfixed <laughs> this is a very and, and i haven't watched it. i've watched it a lot recently especially for this episode but i haven't watched this over the years a lot since sometime in the 90s uh, after no okay so it came out on dvd in 2001 i do believe so i got the dvd and then i watched it a few times and then stopped so early 2000s yeah i'm honestly not sure how i missed this one i would have passed it in the video store because i don't think the cover sells it properly this is an interesting point that you brought up there because i was thinking about this i don't think i would have watched this had this not been forced upon me via cable when i say forced, i'm just changing the channel and i don't have a choice (laughs) that it's on or not i don't press play on it i just happen upon it and i happen upon it and i loved it but i think i wouldn't have watched it no the cover be it vhs or dvd it makes it look like something like license to drive like the quarry should be in it i like license to drive but there's some design flaws here that i don't i don't like it there's a big floating head of a girl who's hardly in the movie drew barrymore when she was our age so she was just now looking like a lady and so she was the object of his lust the his is this boy and he's on top of a car but she's barely in it it's interesting what the heck is the movie about dude (laughs) the short version is it's a road trip movie about a kid who decides to run away from his abusive family or it's implied verbally abusive and the dad said i wish i Uh i wish i killed him when i had the chance whatever that meant or something Um, so he steals a car and drives cross country and well he makes these leg extensions so he can reach the pedals which i find an interesting opener it's not too interestingly shot it's i'm thinking sam raimi would have done it way more dynamically (laughs) yeah i I mean as far as a credit sequence (laughs) you see this kid making something while you're hearing his parents say horrible things and there's a moment where i'm like is he gonna kill these people (laughs) what's about to happen here Um, right it turns out that that yes they are leg extensions so that he can drive a car because he is 10 years old and there's not a lot of tall 10 year olds i was a tall 10 year old i was ridiculous i was i was like five nine or something (laughs) no that's probably too tall (laughs) like five seven or something i was like a full head above all the other kids and i was terrible at basketball and they still gave the ball to me and And see i was i was the opposite i was always the smallest kid in class until after graduation and then you blew up i grew you grew up yeah blew up i mean in my 40s i also (laughs) blew up but yeah yeah (laughs) ah yeah that's all of our 40s isn't it i guess isn't it we all get a little bit swollen so he goes on the lamb he has no goal until he comes across a gas station which this is probably my favorite part of the movie That, that first gas station yeah that first gas station it's just so let me ask you do you have experience with car trips not like this you ever been to the southwest we always went by train not in a car yeah 
It's a totally Try. different road trip. Mm. Well, that's <laughs> totally, yeah, different. I hit America in 1985, July, or just, yeah, the first week of July. We hit JFK, picked up our Pinto. Wow. Station wagon. Okay, <laughs> let me describe this Pinto. It's not the longest Pinto in the world, but it is a station wagon. It has wood paneling. You would expect that of a station wagon in 1985. But this one is also bright orange with wood paneling. Bright orange Ford Pinto station wagon. We load that up and we go across from JFK, New York City, all the way to California. In between that, we just stop off at various places. I do not remember all the spots or anything, but I do remember once we hit the west in the deserts, that was magical and captivating. Once sunset hits and sunrise hits, and if you're awake during those times and whatever, it's beautiful. It's really neat and very strange and eerie. So I have that actually pretty fresh when this came out, still in my memory. And then, of course, we'd road trips to various friends' places where they lived in, like, New Mexico or something. And you'd stop off at roadside attractions. This movie doesn't really have the roadside attraction, but it has the Americana feel that those do. That's very attractive to me. So when he hits that first gas station, it's kind of like that. And that guy is just so nice. The gas station attendant, Phil. So it's this really nice stop along his way. But he's kind of a a little jerk. He's a total jerk. (laughs) (laughs) He is totally self-absorbed and pretty rude to everyone he meets. Do you find that the kid's acting is bad? Or do you find that it's just kid acting? I, I was surprised at the ease that some of his dialogue comes out. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't like the character, but I thought that right. for right. the world that he's playing in, I feel like it kind of works. Now, there was a previous movie that we talked about. Yeah. This was uh, Invasion, Top of the Food Chain, which had a false Canada, <laughs> I think. Yes. So, we're the alien, and that describes the places in his territory. I'm a traveling salesman. My territory includes Bladdertown, Left Hemisphere, Dunk. Right Hemisphere, Walkadogathon, New Imbroglio, and Fetus. I specialize in vacuums. Mm-hmm. This movie has something in common with that. Yeah, this is this is not our America. No. But it is actually America versus Canada. In, so this is just happenstance. This is not something I'm going to go for only movies with uh-huh, fake uh-huh. territories when Eric. There was the a show. moment when I was like, did he give me... Because none of the money in the film is American. No, it's, yeah. it's And there Dutch was a moment Gilders. where I was like, did you give me another Canadian movie? And then I realized <laughs> yeah, this is right, nowhere. No. This is a, a false America. What are... The, I didn't even look, at, look at it. Uh and there's not a lot of resources on <laughs> like about burger, this movie. Um, oh, what are some of the other ones? There are various different states that he crosses, and they are analogous to like Detroit or sure. New York. Or and the, my favorite you know. was that the state motto for I think it was burger was the longest state. <laughs> Was wait was that the state where it was just all darkness and rain um, the whole time? Are you talking about where, like, everything horrible happens? Yeah. I No, I yes, think that yeah. was a different one, but, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's wait to get to everything horrible. So he meets uh, Phil and, yep. and the policeman. This movie, I think, is a very Joe Dante or Corman cast movie, which is interesting. I don't know anything about the producers. Donald P. Borchers. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is. Barry Shills is the director, and Barry Shills is a, a video installation filmmaker. He also, I do believe, at one point worked with Matthew Barney. 
I'm not sure. And the the script was written by Joseph Minion. Do you know who uh, that guy is? I did not until I started doing a little research. So, <laughs> and you noted what I noted. My favorite so, Scorsese. Movie yeah, he wrote After Hours. After Hours. Um, and also Kiss the Vampire. I want to say. Yeah. Well, yes, he did. Vampires Kiss. Yeah. Vampires Kiss, right, right. with Nicolas Cage, which I can't say I actually enjoy, but dude makes these movies with lead characters who are not necessarily cool guys i i okay so after hours he is pretty cool like yeah level-headed and likable here the the kid is level-headed not necessarily likable because like you said he's in it for himself to well happenstance has it that he sees that motorama which is it's a game where you collect the cards that spell motorama and this gas station is a participant so it just strikes him oh i should do that or maybe he sees a sign ahead of time but he then decides not no he doesn't set out with that as he's driving down the highway he sees the sign for playing motorama which turns out to be sort of like the mcdonald's monopoly game where with your purchase you get a card that you peel off any combination of cards that spells out motorama makes holder eligible for grand prize of 500 million other letter combinations make holder eligible for lesser prizes check with your participating station Motorama cards will be issued with a minimum purchase of $5. All ages can play. This contest will never expire. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Also, <laughs> just wow. a heads up, yeah, the producer Donald Borchers did work at New World, so he's definitely got a Corman connection. That makes sense. Yeah. Whoa. There you go. So, Michael J. Pollard, Garrett Morris... What, you have some MTV kids. Yep. Uh, Martha Quinn was Jack in there. Jack Nance from Eraserhead. Oh, okay. It's Twin Peaks. Drink. Twin Peaks. <laughs> you, you di- yeah, I know. You didn't let me. You didn't quite. You stepped on my Jack Nance. But yes, you recall. Drink, everybody. It's been a while, actually. There's it not has. been a lot of Twin Peaksy talk here. But uh, that's it. Mary Warnov, that's where I was getting to. Susan Tyrell and Mary Warnov. I don't know if Susan Terrell's been in many Corman productions, but Mary Warnov has. Susan Terrell was in another movie that we covered here early on, Forbidden Zone. Mm. She's the queen of the Forbidden Zone, and she's insanely good. And here she's the uh, waitress, which I really like this scene because the guy comes up and he's really intimidating and he's like, But just how did you make enough money to buy a fancy set of wheels like that? You don't really care about that, do you? I would really like to know. I sold my stamp collection. I thought collecting stamps was just for little kids. That's right. I've had the collection ever since I was a little kid. <laughs> Don't you ever get married. He sold his stamp collection. That's a good scene. <laughs> and, and then he tells us. And he just walks away. Like, he walks away, but then he just... Like, tells his friends. Yeah. Tells his friends. Like, hey! it's really great i like this his delivery of that so yeah that made me laugh a lot dick miller (laughs) the main corman dude dick miller and joe dante dude dick miller's in this movie yeah probably arguably the darkest part of the movie i mean you know there is also a brief lynching in this movie so i will give you that his actions are pretty horrible but (laughs) see (laughs) i'm just saying i'm uh, i don't want to skip ahead I mean, we can jump all over, but, like, leaving your kids out in the woods, abandoning them because you can't afford them because a kid swindles you out of a hundred bucks. It's all you have. 
He got hustled in horseshoes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the horseshoe man. That's his credit. Yeah. And he leaves his kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm not arguing that it is very dark. That last shot of the children just standing, <laughs> holding hands in the forest is, is it's pretty hel- It's also hilarious, but it's super dark. Like, the, he and his wife run off, they, they leave, and she's kind of oblivious. She's still by the picnic table trying to, like, clean up the potato salad yeah but she still goes with him <laughs> yeah she runs putting her <laughs> shoe on uh-huh. it's really odd and dark and yeah so uh, also the music was done by one of the police guys now we also covered this is a very referential film we covered another film with lb earlier this year rumblefish which had Stuart copeland andy summers he did the music for this one and i gotta say i don't like it as much as i do like rumblefish's music it's been a while since i've seen rumblefish but i would agree with you i honestly when you said it was made by someone i was surprised it sounded like they just went to a music library to me like a lot a lot of the driving music just feels really generic yeah so there are other movies that are similar bob gale back to the future writer yeah also wrote a movie that was a road movie called interstate 60 episodes from the road it's his directorial debut starring James Marsden, Gary Oldman, Christopher Lloyd, Amy Smart, Chris Cooper, Kurt Russell has a cameo. Michael J. Fox has a cameo. It is another one of these strange... That This one's more of like a little uh, Mr. Mixelplexit of the road. Okay. Kind of wise devil character. And he kind of carries throughout the story. Yeah, yeah, with James Marsden as the main. It's not as good as this. There's like two movies that are like this, and that's this one and interstate 60 but interstate 60 came out in 2002 do you know of any other uh, whimsical magical realism surrealist road movies i, I do not <laughs> <laughs> that is a oh very, no that is a very specific category <laughs> so specific there seems to be only two movies in it <laughs> So, honestly, how do you like this film? It goes in and out for me. It's very episodic in terms of sort of how things progress. There's not so much a plot as a as a series of sort of interconnected episodes. So there are bits that I like quite a bit. I agree with you. I think that that first gas station, um, we meet Phil and he's like flying his kite. I need some more string. Ruby Costello was over here the other day with her camera. Took a picture of me shaking hands with Officer Perkins. She'll send the picture over to the drive-in she says they'll show the picture of me shaking hands with the policeman before the picture show says it'll be good for my business but it says to ruby i got bigger plans than that it ain't no customers i want to impress because i knew there was only one person that i cared about showing i was an honest citizen yeah i figure it's just a matter of getting up high enough he'll see it up there somehow twist all them angels ah so that's why you need more string that's why i need more string you got any he doesn't care about money that sort of thing I i really enjoyed the very next place he goes is he pulls off into a motel and Jack Nance is running the motel and the kid gets a room. Uh, That's where we get into the Motorama stuff, so it does move things forward. But otherwise, Jack Nance catches squirrels? I forgot to tell you, if you catch any squirrels, give them to me. And smokes them with his truck or something? I'm just... Uh, Yeah, it tries to gas them with the the exhaust. (laughs) It's just, it's horrible, isn't it? it? it, But it doesn't, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like it goes anywhere, it does anything later when you know he stops at a truck stop and there's a whole family wearing fake noses and uh, there's a cameo by flea and that yeah okay that feels like so a lot of fun my, that's my favorite dialogue part 
is the part with Flea when he gives Flea the task, and then the other dude comes in, the uh, in inspector comes in. Hey, what's all the racket in here? I have a job, a very important job. I've been paid already. It's a very important job. Whoa, cool out, son. And then he hits him on the head with the pan. That's my favorite dialogue moment. Back then, I did tape this off of TV, and then I used to make audio tapes full of clips, maybe songs interspersed, but there would be clips of movies. That was definitely one of the clips. Yeah, I could see that, because yeah. you can say what you want about the Red Hot Chili Peppers as a band, but when they act, they really commit to whatever the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Anthony Kiedis in point break break. that's like yeah he no it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) but i also like the idea like you know gus the main kid is out of money and puts on a pair of you know like groucho glasses and pretends to be an adult and in this world everybody just kind of goes along with it he pretends to be the inspector inspection officer Harris. Yes, well, they go along with that, but everybody else also sort of responds to him as if he's already like a grizzled 38-year-old world-weary guy in the first place. Yeah, that's true. When they just talk to him, like, I I do believe Phil, the gas station guy, is just like, hey, kid, type of guy. And the cop, who also is Robert Picardo, another Joe Dante alum, he references the car and, and are you here, like, who are you here with? And he says, my dad. So there are moments where they acknowledge that he's a child, but that's at the very beginning. Once he shows up anywhere else, He's not a child. Nobody refers to him as a child except that other child wants to play baseball with him. And he says, beat it, kid. (laughs) Right. Which is interesting conceptually when you look at it in terms of the end of the film. And I don't know how deep you want to go yet in the end. Go. Go where you go. As we go through Gus's journey and it sort of gets a little progressively darker, what we learn... He finally collects all of the Motorama letters and he goes to the headquarters of the Chimera gas company and they basically tell him that nobody is ever supposed to win Motorama. It's just something that's been sort of set up, you know? It's just something to give people something to do, something to talk about. That doesn't mean anything. That's like a... Yeah. Uh, such it's, a dumb it's loophole. Just a I hate it. Crappy corporate loophole. Very frustrating. I think. I think at that point when we're watching it, we. I mean, if you're not frustrated on the kid's behalf, you're. You just don't like stories. Well, and depending on who this movie is for, I, I mean, it's for everyone. But like, I feel like it's also a little bit of a kid's story. It never talks down, but it, it does kind of feel like a kid's story. There's there are moments, and it, it, that's is the reason why I asked you if the kid is a good actor, if yeah. he's a kid actor, if he's you know like there's uh, that Haley Joel Osment wasn't a kid actor, right. he was an actor. This kid is a kid actor in that I think... Okay, I'm going to try to do the impression of him. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't have any of these cards. Um, so kid, just say it like you, you're like emphasizing that you want the cards. I want the cards. No, just say it, I want the cards, <laughs> but like, like you mean it. Okay, okay, I got it. So you want me to say, I want the cards. Like, I mean it. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not sure. Actually, that's the direction he was given. I want the cards. He, he squeezes his throat every time he says lines so that it's like this breathiness. And then there are certain moments where he's just like, like you pointed out, where he's just kind of natural. And he's like, oh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Right. You sure? Like that sort of thing comes really natural. But then his other lines are like, Ugh. 
kind of forced words with breath like that and it's just very maybe he's imitating somebody or maybe he just doesn't want to or doesn't know how to commit to not being a performer to not over performing yeah 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 so so that's why i see kid actor but i still think that he did a decent job well and at that age where i was going is he gets to chimera and they tell him that it's you know that he's eligible and i feel like that's kind of that moment when you're a kid where you become disillusioned Mm. like yeah you've had this thing in your heart and then adults are like oh ha 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 we mean this not that kind of thing it's like when i when i finally realized that garfield wasn't actually funny (laughs) i was 13 Uh i was way into garfield dude did you throw away all your garfield books i didn't have that many but i was still way into them i had like three or four yeah i stopped reading them i stopped looking at them i just realized this none of this was funny except for one and that's the one where Garfield, it's like a three or four panel. Garfield is in a panel and he's looking up at the ceiling. Odie is in a panel looking up at the ceiling. They're both in the same panel looking up at the ceiling. John walks up. Maybe there's, maybe this is a Sunday one, but John <laughs> walks up and he's looking up at the ceiling and then they're gone in the next panel and it's just John looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> like, oh, you guys. Yep. It's, it was like, that was a, like a really layered strip and I, I, still appreciate that one but it works more along the lines of garfield without garfield it works on that level have you ever seen those i have yeah yeah so you remove garfield from it it becomes surreal and weird and that's what that one was even with garfield in it so i really appreciate that one still so well i'm sorry garfield hurt you no at 13 i just realized (laughs) it wasn't funny all the stuff that i thought was amusing and funny wasn't and garfield was that and i was just like what no so yeah then i got onto monty python and so on and then soon after motorama so this still spoke to me especially back then and i don't know if i like this in a nostalgic way or in just like the attempt of what they're trying to do yeah i think i probably i don't dislike this movie i think i would have liked it a lot more had i encountered it in 1991 yeah okay so you you think that you might have if, if you did the cable thing with it yeah stuck with it yeah do you think yeah i I definitely would have been like what is going on i need to see more of this kind of thing now you noted boobies off off the recording you noted boobies in this and you were shocked there are boobs that i i i put a movie on your (laughs) docket that has boobs Uh in it okay but yeah i mean he stops off at a (laughs) as a scenic view area like a grand canyon spot sort of thing and he's still grousing about not getting the right cards yeah, and the and these this couple comes up and says, <laughs> "Say, Mister, can we borrow your back seat for a quickie?" And he doesn't respond, so they take that as a yes. I mean, sure. that's like being at a store saying, "This doesn't have a price." I guess it's free. <laughs> no, uh-huh. but nobody has to say no. Oh, I'm taking it anyway. So they hump in the back of his car, which is like the most quick and fleeting. And this is a part of the movie where I'm actually a little bit annoyed with because they could have directed it a lot better so that the, I guess, the big O that she has, uh, which I still don't believe. <laughs> you think she faked it? <laughs> I think so. Or maybe not because it was in public sure. mostly. So maybe the excitement was a bit, but it was really quick and short scene. And I don't want a porno in my semi kids movie, even though it's a rated R film, but he finds the O and is happy and he says oh when she does her oh thing and then like the timing of the edit isn't great yes oh yeah. yes 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 oh 
that's my problem with it. It's the editing. Not the sex or not seeing enough sex or whatever. That's not my grouse. My grouse is the timing. You know, it's got a, a line and it didn't quite. When it just, it feels like the obvious joke in a movie that doesn't go for jokes. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this is not great to me. Yeah. You know, there, there aren't really jokes per se in this movie, but there are things that are funny. I mean, it's it's definitely a dark comedy. Yes. There are, there are great movies. Have you seen, um, it's more contemporary, Game Night? I have, yes. I didn't know that I would love Game Night, but I love Game yeah. Night. That is a dark comedy, but do you think there are jokes in that or if there are situations that end up having a punchline i mean in, and do they work similarly yeah in, the, in that this? one they, they have both um and i think it can work that way i think for me dark comedy is just something that takes a subject that would not normally be used in a humorous context and makes it funny i mean bodily harm things of that nature and the tone is consistent throughout the film i don't think a movie where somebody gets kicked in the balls is a dark comedy but you know if the whole film is a series of sort of dark weird things that are all that also make you laugh like this one is that that's where i apply that term i think it can have both yeah but you're right this one doesn't really have the joke setup thing um i mean i suppose suppose like dick miller leaving his kids off in the woods is a setup to yeah, a joke yeah. but <laughs> what kind of joke is that <laughs> and then he leaves his kids in the woods like but it's clearly <laughs> funny but yeah. it, it is and it's, it is clearly funny because of like just stand there and look mm-hmm. confused or just babble to the kids off camera so they look <laughs> confused let's just keep that shot and that's the the i mean john right deal in a full body cast is funny but yeah that's at the end (laughs) and that's poetic i really so john deal gets hit by a car because the kid big this is like his very first jerk moment he has john deal desperately wants god to approve of him and this is like written from this naive way of understanding god and all that stuff but it works for the movie because the movie's a bit of nonsense so he has the photo that he took with the policeman on a kite and the kite is strung up and he needs more string and he's telling this kid this and before the kid leaves he unties the string and the kite just goes flying so john deal goes running down the street and then gets hit by a truck like <laughs> that hurt when i saw that every time this last time i watched it uh, i was like oh no and then he shows up at the end he's in a full body cast he's yeah. not okay but he's okay you know and it's the poetic ending where there's a sign that says help wanted and he decides to stay with the gas station attendant and be his helper now it's uh, him coming to understand that there's more than him well and that's what i was was digging into really quickly earlier was when they tell him that the contest is a sham whatever they literally throw him out the window of chimera and as he's falling all of the bodily injury that's happened to him we forgot to mention that like how does he lose the eye we're gonna we are gonna come back <laughs> oh god how does he lose the eye i can't remember hold on the kidnapper and his wife that's right kid kidnapper hits him with the ring yeah and and just smashes his eye and uh, they get a doctor to come in because he's siphoning gas that's all yeah he's siphoning gas this is fleas helping him and he gets smashed in the face and then he wakes up on a chair and it's mary warnoff and she's a kidnapping wife her husband smashes smashed him in the eye they get a doctor and the doctor's like well i can save his eye but i'm going to have to operate on your son tonight tonight you can you're gonna have to operate tonight yes 
Otherwise, he'll lose his sight. It's plain and simple. Uh-huh. 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 Guess he'll have to lose his sight. What? You see, loss builds character. So he goes around with the eye patch the rest of the movie. Yep. And continue. When he lands, wakes up at an earlier point in the movie. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. I gotta I gotta actually go do another odd flashback because this isn't a flashback all the way to the f- earliest part of the movie. This right. is when he crashes the car. Yep. This is interesting. When he crashes a car just before he goes to the, what's it called, place. He crashes his car, but his hair turns white. Mm-hmm. His hair, As it just does. before the crash, just before the crash, it was just regular, you know, chestnut, whatever it was. And then it turns white. He gets out, then he sees a car just like his, with an old man in it, dressed just like him, but he doesn't have the R card for a Motorama, just like he didn't previously. So, obviously, that's like, if you're paying attention, you'll note all these similarities. That's uh, him meeting his, his future self, and what are the coincidences? Is this, at this point, is this just now the dream part? <laughs> this is the most surreal this movie gets from this point on. So then he does go to the offices, does lose the eye patch, lose the white in his hair, loses all the scars and stuff. Yeah, I mean, even and now we're back. Even his like his sweatshirt repairs itself. Right. Yeah. But he lands in the water to a previous scene at the very beginning ish of the movie. They throw a man who's drunk. They just throw him in a, in a brief uh, little stream um, and he hits his head, which if you watch it, he doesn't hit his head. The stuntman's fine. <laughs> doesn't hit his head at all there's no rock near him it's just water and because i've seen it too many times now but he hits his head and there's blood that trickles downstream and the kid washes his face in water presumably from that stream it's just a sort of chain of events scene but he ends up back there i do believe from this point kind of as that man which doesn't make any sense no no it doesn't so make make sense of it do it so bitchy but you can't. So that's the part. I can't make sense of it because it would make sense if the journey we've seen through the film is somehow in his head, is allegorical. The meeting of the old man that is him. Yeah. That old man, you know, identifies his obsession. He's become so obsessed with the letter R that all of his children have R names. So the idea is, you know... Gus is going down this road of obsession. This is his heart of darkness. And then he, you know, wakes up in that stream and realizes that he needs to abandon his obsession at a young age. That would make right. sense, except that he returns to the gas station. He he gets picked up by by Robert Picardo, the the cop from earlier. He But is he the cop is he the same character? Is he the cop out of uniform? I think so because he he's singing all of those songs. Again, fee five fiddly I O, fee five fiddly I O O O O, fee five fiddly I O, strumming on the old banjo. And he says something at one point about how he can't do it on the job. So okay, I was okay. assuming gotcha. he's still the policeman. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't put it past him to have him play a different to character. To- so yeah, saying. no, that's totally true. <laughs> um, but then he goes back to the gas station where he first met Phil, and Phil is in the full body cast, as we said. Right. Which would so this is the poetic part. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid decides to stay, to live out his life as a gas station attendant. At least until the foreseeable future. Sure. So, yeah, there we are. 
That's it. We, you know, we didn't talk about Meatloaf. I don't need to, but everybody should really find this movie. It's, uh, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. You can probably find it cheap on DVD. Really cheap. Or, um, like, torrents or something. I don't know. I don't know where they can. It's, I know where to it, get the torrent, but I can't <laughs> talk about it. It's hush hush. It is actually it's available a, on Amazon for two ninety nine. Uh, streaming. Dope. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's yeah. You know what though? I really think some boutique needs to pick this thing up and really overhaul it. Yeah. So that I get a f- widescreen cut of it. Yeah. I mean, on even on Amazon, it's standard def and four three. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same as the DVD. Yeah. But some boutique, and I wonder who. I wonder who put it up on Amazon. Does it say like Film Rise at? front of it or something you know i didn't see i'd have to go back and look and see who was distributing it because because a lot of these boutiques they throw their uh maybe we're gonna release this on amazon to see how many hits they get <laughs> that makes sense they yeah do that. that's a te- technique that they do <sighs> once then they can figure out if the movie's popular enough to you know release a boot massively shiny overhauled yeah, I mean, it feels like something that, like, uh, Shout Factory would pick up or something like that. Ah, uh, so you say Shout. Do you really think Shout Factory? I don't know. I've picked up a lot of, like, the big-name things, but I've gone to their site and looked through their catalog, and I feel like they have stuff like this in there. They just don't promote it the way they promote, you know, a John Carpenter release or something like that. Right. Uh, so I was thinking, like, what others? So Vinegar Syndrome is the only thing I can think of because they're starting... You know, that would be interesting if Vinegar Syndrome did put this... No, Severin. Severin Kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> Severin has their kids label, and I think maybe... <laughs> sure. <laughs> they might present this as a kids movie, but they would... It's still a kids, with, uh, a kids movie with bone in it. <laughs> that, that. I mean, let's... P- and at least one we, F. We were kids so. in the '90s, and they, uh, our movies had <laughs> stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, but most of them were cut, and then you can find the unrated cut years <laughs> later. When, in the, like, a uh, uh, Book of Love movie that came out in '91 or '90 was a PG-13, um, heartbroken boy movie, set in the '50s, and then years later, there's an uncut version, which is a sex oh. romp. What? Yeah, it's totally like horny boy romp movie, <laughs> as opposed to the other one, which is slightly horny boy. This movie just said, screw it, we're just leaving all the rated R in. And it's not even that hard. No. Not that hard of an R, but it is, as you say, there's a part where it's rather confrontational. It is just before he gets the last R, or the only R. And that is, let's talk about that for a sec. You have the Pope. Yep. He gets shot straight in the face. Yep. What else do you got? I'm trying to remember. There was a... I think there was a... This is as he's pin- driving in the darkness. Yep. He, he looks left and right, and he sees these vignettes, I suppose. He enters the quote-unquote the last state, which he enters like through a gate and through a tunnel. Like It's clearly some sort of transition in his journey. And when he comes out the other side, he's just driving through darkness with horrible things happening. And I want to say there's a, a pimpin' prostitute. There's a lynching. Now, the lynching, that one goes by real quick. It is KKK. Yeah. Hoods, white robes. Yep. And there's a burning cross. 
cross. So my, what I always see is I see the white robes and burning cross. I never really noticed the lynching. There's there's definitely someone hanging in that scene. Dang, that's dark. Yeah, uh, and someone <laughs> shoots said. the Pope. Like yeah, <laughs> he's just sitting in this chair in the middle of fancy the road. Chair, and <laughs> this guy shoots him. Yeah, and you're like, what? So this is the super dark part i don't know what it all means like this is the corrupt part of the world yeah yeah i mean and it's the first time we're in a city i mean it really feels i I hate using this analogy because it feels very like film school but it's kind of the end of heart of darkness or the end of apocalypse now like he's in the crazy part even the gas station that he goes to so after he meets the old man him he finds another gas station even that gas station is just like a bunker with one pump and a siren siren to get the attendant's attention the attendant doesn't speak english or appears to be sort of limited somehow no he's he's the actor he um i first saw that actor yeah what do i know him from his name uh did you ever see private eyes maybe tim conway and don knotts uh, private okay eyes. yeah 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 he's the stable man yeah who's like you're standing in bull caga <laughs> that part <laughs> that's right nears nears and then he gets killed so he's always had this speech impediment or like he bit off his tongue or something but he's played cowboys and various goons throughout his whole career and finally i believe you saw him in house of a thousand corpses yeah that makes sense yep he was in that okay but yeah it's all grimy and gross and then he finally confronts the head office right uh, but so uh, what do you feel your feelings on this film i said i loved it i've got a lot of affection for it but i can still say what parts don't work and i do believe i talked about some of them yeah the editing the the kid's voice your impression in general i agree with you like i just feel like it could be tightened up a little bit so i enjoyed it it feels very 90s somehow like this movie would just mm-hmm. never get made again right it's a lot of fun if you're you know like a genre movie we talked a lot about like corn and Dante but like you know you get to recognize all of those character actors I don't think they ever take you out of the movie when they show no. up which is interesting because cameos typically take you out of the movie yeah no they were definitely just sort of characters there, yeah. there's never a moment where you're like oh look it's you know Dick Miller I mean I was well, <laughs> but I love seeing Dick Miller in stuff and I'm not even a fan of his old work it's just all the stuff from Joe Dante pretty much honestly but yeah i mean i i think it's fun i think it's worth a watch i don't know that i would need to have this in my collection i don't think i'm gonna like go back to it anytime soon like i said i think it just i think it needs another pass in the edit if it was a little tighter if it felt a little bit more connected i think i would be on board but also like i said i think if i would have encountered this in the 90s i think this would have been one of those movies i fell in love with i mean i have yeah i have movies that i tried to tell people about now that you know i watched on hbo all the time like the dan Aykroyd dragnet is a movie i adore yeah. because i watched it on hbo all the time right but it's not really a good movie <laughs> um, <laughs> watch your mouth yeah <laughs> but but you know it's, it's one a of, great movie. one of those movies i love and i feel like if i would have caught this back then it would have it would have a place in my heart for sure yeah um so like we did um the last dragon on here and monica had never seen it and she's a lot younger but she she noted yeah it's it's got all these things that are interesting and nice and all but there was not that love that i have for it or even that lb has for it because lb co-hosted that episode too that when you see that movie earlier on 
before you're an adult yeah in your formative teen years or whatever and you it just sinks into you so like this one is like that for me you have like in it i have love in it (laughs) and it's all because you know nostalgia be damned i got there early and i stayed with it and to say something about twin peaks again it's it's around the same time that i was into twin peaks so this was scratching at the oddness itch that i always had that ever since twin peaks happened that i have had oh sure this is this is kind of kindler gentler david lynch in a lot of ways yeah yeah it's uh not so wild at heart (laughs) (laughs) exactly another surreal road trip movie yeah yeah thank you eric i appreciate you appreciating this movie actually i appreciate you being on this yeah thanks for having me back uh, discussing it so thank you very much good night everybody night i'm just saying